call to worship. God is active in our lives and in the world around us. We are bound to this hour of worship to make ourselves more aware of God and to give thanks for God's presence with us. God is here even now, ready to strengthen us and to urge us to greater faithfulness. Fill us with your goodness, O God. Draw us into the orbit of your activity in the world that we might fulfill the purpose for which you created us. Amen. Good to see you and uh, know that uh, as we gather here, we're gathering uh, in a place that's a little warmer than upstairs uh, in the sanctuary, although we would like to be there in, in that space that is uh, so beautiful and dedicated for that purpose, but um, still we can worship together wherever we are as we gather 
corporately. As we um, gather today, there may be those who are guests, and if uh, there are, we'd like to have everyone, guests and, and members alike, to take the little blue uh, tablet you'll see there and um, write your name on there, and we'll, if you will, place that in the offering as it's received uh, at the end of our time of worship today. One other thing, of uh, just to let you know, we've got the choir is going to be coming down. So if if um, someone is a late arriver and you can guide them to a seat that's back there, closer to you, and lay these two front rows uh, vacant, will they'll be coming? The choir will be coming down so that they can clearly hear Dr. Roxburgh as he's as he's breaking the bread of life today. Um, as we continue in our time of fellowship and also worship we want to welcome each other many of you have already had that opportunity today but we want to do that now by passing the peace of Christ and uh, if you'll do that now and just speak to those that are close to you and we do have some some guests with us so make sure that you speak to them too peace to each and every one of you and thanks for the flexibility Blessed is he who is flexible, for he shall not be bent out of shape. I think that was left out of the attitude. Wow. Don't want to do this too much. <laughs> Both of them is now. It's just, it, well, well, yeah, me. well, you know, I was told by a good friend that I should not give in. <laughs> That's what Tommy Armstrong told me. There you go. Okay, well, I'm going to keep that up. Yeah, I will indeed. Yeah, I will indeed. Well, yes, good morning again, and uh, welcome again, and we thank you for... I was just telling the choir, we, we knew about this change, unfortunately, just a little before we were to be here. Uh, and so uh, I decided, well, let's do the robe thing today. You know, that's the, that at least gives us one more element of, of uh, what's that. But, but I, unfortunately, uh, am still Mr. Rogers. Uh, <laughs> so that's okay, I guess. Uh, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Uh, and we're so glad that you're here. Uh, wonderful to have you here. I want to make two points. Uh, one is that our service music today, as you can see uh, or, or hear and look at uh, in your worship order, has to do with that, uh, that statement that will be uh, appropriate in the second reading, uh, but also in Dr. Roxburgh's homily, as we often say, come and see. We, we will be doing a, an African-American spiritual uh, as the anthem, uh, and there are two reasons for doing that anthem. One is that this is MLK uh, weekend, and there are some of us, uh, including some of these UABers, uh, that will be at the Alice Stevens Center this evening in a very uh, wonderful concert with the Blind Boys of Alabama, uh, Dr. Henry Panyon and the Symphony Orchestra, uh, and about 180 singers, including the UAB Concert Choir and so forth, um, for a commemorative concert. Uh, on uh, MLK weekend. That's a five o'clock concert, by the way, in case you are, uh, there is a ticket charge, but I don't know all about it, but nonetheless, uh, that's, that's one reason that we are doing I Believe This Is Jesus, but you'll also see that it, it says over and over again, come and see, uh, which is the point, isn't it, this morning. Uh, another and final thing to say is that 
Uh, it saddens me, but gladdens me for knowing how we, our students, our Martinson scholars move forward uh, in their lives. But uh, Ms. Kenya Thomas, right here, who has been with us for three and a half years uh, as a Martinson scholar, this will be her last Sunday with us for a while, uh, and we hope that she'll be able to come back. But she, her nursing clinicals got moved to Sundays, and she has not, not much choice over that, especially those of you with uh, you know nursing or medical background know about that. Uh, so we will we'll have her back in the back, and uh, do say a word of, of uh, greeting and thanks to Kenya for uh, her service to us, um, and uh, we're so grateful for uh, the service of all of our Martinson scholars, but especially these long timers, as it were, may I say. Uh, we do move them, uh, move them on uh, after a time. Uh, let's, let's have a word of prayer, and then we will go forward with the hymn that you see as the second hymn in your service hymn book. But may we pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity to come to this place, to this time. May your justice roll down like a mighty stream. May we realize that this weekend, in my own personal background, the idea that no Irish need apply is not so much in the forefront of our thinking, but that all of us, all of us who have come from another place or out of bondage or in some way come to be an American and a free worshiping American. May we realize this as we celebrate this weekend of the, the official holiday of Dr. Martin Luther King, but also the ideal of truth and justice for all humankind. We know that that was a gift from you and that we need to spread it wherever we are. And may we know that as we come together to worship during this day and know that that is one of the things that helps us to express our Christian faith by being tolerant of all, of being loving, of serving all. We thank you for it. We come in this hour as we sing, as we pray, as we listen, as we hear the word to know that we may spread this throughout the week and throughout uh, the world that we live in each day and each time that we have it, that opportunity. We pray this and so much more in the name of Christ, that's living Savior, that we have sung about and we will continue to sing about. Amen. May we come forward uh, with a hymn. This is an old Sacred Harp tune hymn number 471. Uh, it's called Restoration, and uh, it is uh, pretty well known as I Will Arise and Go to Jesus, so uh, you may, may quite recognize this one. May we stand as we sing it together. Oh, 
lesson of scripture is found in Psalm 139, the first six verses and then verses 13 through 18. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are beautiful. I know that full well. My frame is not hidden from you. When I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Here ends our first lesson of scripture.
Our second reading is from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, and I want to read from verse 43 to the end of the chapter. If you're able, will you stand for the reading of the Gospel? The next day, Jesus decided to go to Galilee. He found Philip and said to him, follow me. Now Philip was from Bethsaida, the city of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him about whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus, son of Joseph from Nazareth. And Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. When Jesus saw Nathanael coming toward him, he said of him, here is truly an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Nathanael asked him, where did you get to know me? Jesus answered, I saw you under the fig tree before Philip called you. Nathanael replied, Rabbi, you are the son of God, you are the king of Israel. And Jesus answered, do you believe this because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You will see greater things than these. And he said to him, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
when Jesus said, follow me, and he said that to the disciples, what do you think he, what did he mean for them to do? Yeah, not him. Well, <clears throat> it might be that <clears throat> he wasn't saying, come, run, skip, and jump like I do, but he might. We don't really know, do we? We don't have a lot of that information. I know this, Jesus did enjoy having a good time. He liked to play a little kind of riddles, uh, riddles basically, or, or um, sort of pick at his disciples some, because they were so easy to pick at, basically. <laughs> and so we think about it on uh, what he said to his disciples to follow me. He said, follow me, really what he was mostly talking about was doing those things that you see me do and what I've talked about. And the biggest of those was to treat everyone to treat them with kindness, with love, to not see someone that's maybe a little different than us as being not as good as us because we're all, we're all loved by God. If we had uh, gotten off your banks, you could probably say that that Jesus loves little children. But it's because they're precious in his sight. And you're precious in God's sight. So when we think about following, and we hear Dr. Roxburgh in his sermon today, says, he says, come and let me show you some things Jesus did for them. He says, come and see. Come and see. And if we follow him, he will show us and teach us and guide us. So that is what we want to try to do is keep our eyes on him and what he has shown us to do, how he's taught us to live, and how he teaches us to treat other people. Let's all be prayer. Let me, Lord, thank you for these children. We thank you that you have given us that wonderful example of how we are to treat other people and that we, too, can, by your power, be gracious to those around us as they are also gracious to us because you have demonstrated that to us in the most wonderful ways through Jesus Christ. All this prayer in my son's name. join me in prayer. Lord God, you constantly amaze us again and again with the depth of your faithfulness, the vastness of your mercy. When we ache with hunger, you fill us with hope. When we stumble and fall, sometimes because of disinterest, ignorance, or pride, you hear our confession. You lift our heads with a promise of a new beginning. We recall your invitation to the early disciples to come and see. And we thank you that we have heard your voice and we have sought to follow you. We remember this morning, Nathaniel, who in many ways did not find you, but you found him. He was led to the place where you were waiting for him. It was a friend who brought him and helped reveal to him the wonder of your promises. God, we're aware of the fact there are many Nathaniels in our world, people who find it difficult to believe, who are fearful of what it may mean and what it may cost, 
people who sometimes hide in the shadows of your love and let that love pass them by. Help us to be like Philip's, to be like the one who bring, brought Nathaniel to you, to glimpse your glory, to hear of your love, and discover your life-changing consequences. We think this morning of many people who are in need. We think of those who are lonely, rejected, outcasts, those who are fearful because of past hurts. We pray they may come to see in you and even in our community of faith a place of welcome and of healing. We pray for our world today. Help us to remember that each person who lives in whatever country, whatever continent, is created in your image, loved and honoured by you. On this special weekend of Martin Luther King Jr. Day, we remember the problem continuing in our world, in our country, of any form of racism, of any attitude to other people that puts them down on the basis of the race, of gender, of creed, sexuality. We pray that you would help us to treat one another as those who are precious in your sight. We pray today for all who are ill. We pray for those who have been especially in our minds and hearts, family members, friends, members of this community of faith who are recovering from being in hospital from surgery. For all who suffer in mind or spirit, we bring them before you today for your healing. And Lord, for ourselves, may we always be open to your call to come and see and be amongst those who are willing to follow you, whatever the cost may be. O oh Lord, hear all our prayers as we offer them in the precious name of our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray and to say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Amen.
Sounds like a fun thing to sing. <laughs> We're at this time of the year when Gwen and myself, we like to go and see the various movies that are in the running for either the Golden Globes or perhaps even the, the Oscars. And so we've, we've seen Lady Bird, we've seen The Darkest Hour, and on Friday night we went to see The Post. And there's a few more we'd like to go and see in the next few weeks. When I'm looking for a movie to, to go and see, uh, I'll often go to the Rotten Tomatoes website. It doesn't sound very good, but on it you get critics' reviews, but also you get what the ordinary punter in the pew, just like myself, thinks about a particular movie. I want to know what people think. I want to see what the percentage is of the tomatoes. The more tomatoes, I think the better the movie will be. It doesn't always turn out that way, but so far their recommendations have been good. In John's Gospel, news spread fast about Jesus. He was making an impact. He didn't spread the news through social media as we do, but people were having such a transform transforming experience in encountering him that it led those who had met him to bring others to his presence. And so in the stories at the end of John's Gospel, we actually have two people who bring people to meet with Jesus. We've got Peter, who bring, we've got Andrew, who brings Peter, and then we've got Philip, who brings Nathaniel. Bringing people to Jesus, saying to people, come and see. For many of us, that's how we became Christians. For many of us, that's how we began to follow. Somebody said to us, come and see. I want to tell you about somebody whom I've met. And we relay the information, we tell people, about our own experience of Christ, of God, of his love, and people begin to follow him themselves. I suppose you could say that when people encounter Jesus, they just can't keep it to themselves. They want others to know something about him. And so the people meet with Jesus, and Peter has a transforming experience that will make him the first preacher of the good news of Jesus Christ in the day of Pentecost, and Nathaniel comes, and he becomes, well, actually, we have no idea what happens to Nathaniel after this incident. I think that's what I like about Nathaniel. He's just an ordinary person. But on this occasion, he met with Jesus. Discipleship involves following Jesus. Discipleship also involves introducing other people to Jesus, to follow, to come and see. Nathaniel is skeptical. The difficulty for Nathaniel is that someone who fulfills messianic expectations is meant to be elsewhere other than Nazareth. And so when he hears that Jesus is from Nazareth, he says, Nazareth? Can any good thing come out of Nazareth? I suppose Nazareth is the 21st century Abuja or Port-au-Prince, kind of place where you don't think anything or anybody good comes out of. Nazareth was in the heart of Galilee, a region populated by Jews and Gentiles. Now, the Jews that came from uh, Judea were a little bit uh, skeptical about Jews who lived near Nazareth. 
In Judea, 90% of the population was Jewish. But in the area in which Nazareth was located, it was only about 60%. And the feeling was that they were not totally committed to their Judaism. They were more likely to perhaps intermarry. They weren't as rigorous in their following of the Jewish religious rituals. And they probably didn't pay as much temple tax as the folks in Judea. And so they were looked down upon. Uh, their Judean cousins saw Galilean Jews as less pure, if not impure. Nazareth. You can almost hear it in his voice. The problem was that social factors that were immensely important in Jewish and Roman citizenship at that particular period of time might make people undermine or see differently what was happening in different parts of society. It's got a common ring to it, hasn't it? When one's ethnicity, nationality, hometown, family, education play a large role in how we view and treat other people. Social status at that time was everything. External factors were more important than internal factors of a person's character, a person's personality. And if we're honest, we, we do the same thing. We often put more value in externals without asking whether someone, what somebody has accomplished or what they had to overcome or how these experiences that they've had in life might have affected them. And we say of somebody or somebody else, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Jesus comes and he lauds Nathanael. It's quite an interesting conversation that Jesus has with this man. He says, truly, you're an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And Nathanael, he says to Jesus, you've been spying on me? How did you find out about me? You've been looking at my Facebook page? Have you hacked me? You know, how do you know that you can say that I'm an Israelite in whom there is no deceit? Well, Nathanael's encounter with Jesus is going to change him. Going to change him from being a skeptic to being a believer. Nathanael's experience of Jesus' foreknowledge of him being able to say something about him, it makes him think differently about him. Immediately takes away his initial impression about Nazareth and say, hey, there must be something more about this guy than at first sight. Nathaniel's no Mr. Congeniality. So when this guy who tends to see the negative begins to effuse overwhelmingly about making positive declarations about who Jesus is after just meeting him, we ask ourselves the question, well, what's going on here? I suspect that something has to do with Philip bringing him. We don't exactly know the relationship between Philip and Nathaniel. They're friends. Perhaps they work together. But Philip says, I want you to meet somebody whom I've discovered. Come and see. And Nathaniel encounters Jesus. It's interesting that he goes from calling him rabbi to calling him son of God, king of Israel. That's a big jump. <laughs> A big jump in a small space of time. I suspect it probably took longer for Nathaniel to come to his point of faith. Maybe you're a bit of a skeptic this morning. Maybe you're a bit of a cynic. I can feel the cynicism in me all too often, I'm afraid. A bit like Nathaniel. There are many skeptics today. Skeptics about politics, skeptics about the world. Skeptics about Christianity. 
Many people who find Jesus an interesting person to think about, and many may even privately admire him, but who haven't really taken that next step of following him. In some cases, people have been blinded by preconceptions about the Christian message, but often it's about the church, those of us who are representatives of Jesus in this world below. They've seen and heard things about the church, and from a distance perhaps, and they've convinced them that the church is really a bad thing. Now, I think some of these preconceptions are unfair, although if we're honest, as those of us who are part of the church, uh, the church sometimes has failed to present Jesus in a positive way. Is our spirituality too superficial? Failing to satisfy, leaving people empty when the difficult questions and problems of, of life arise? Yeah, for many of us, we have discovered that Jesus is somebody who's worth following him. For some of us, it was our parents or it was a friend at school, at college, at work, who in their own life presented a coherent message about Jesus that rang true, that fitted in with our own sense of need, but also of what had happened in the friend in the parent's life themselves. You know, Jesus does challenge us as Christians to live in a, an attitude of unity, an attitude of love, and says, by this shall all people know that you're my disciples if you love one another. So this is a challenge for us to live the Christian life as well as speaking about the Christian faith. But in this instance of individuals coming to meet Jesus for the first time, there is somebody who introduces, and there's somebody who meets, and there is a following that begins. I'd only notice this really in preparing for this homily, but in verse 39 of this story, there are two people that are named, two people that are mentioned, but only one is actually named. There's an unnamed person who is invited to meet Jesus, and we don't know what happens to them. It kind of suggests to me that he represents any one of us. Any one of us who have found ourselves here in Southside Baptist Church down in Drennan Hall, in an unusual place, perhaps where you didn't expect to be this morning, and we hear the message about Jesus. And the question is, will we come and see? The question is, will we follow him? When the biblical scholar J.B. Phillips translated the Gospels, he was struck by the personality of Jesus and how he drew people to himself. He concluded there must be something extraordinary about him. He described his own reaction to Jesus in his own testimony, I suppose, in his 1967 book, Ring of Truth, which summed up how he felt. He felt there was a ring of truth about Jesus. There was a ring of truth about this man, a ring of truth about his message, a ring of truth about his life that impelled him to come and see, to read, and to begin to follow. John's gospel is a, a gospel about people meeting Jesus. Over and over again, people are introduced to him as a woman at the well. There's uh, a centurion at the foot of the cross. There's lots of people who are introduced to Jesus and they come and see, and they begin to follow. People meet Jesus, and their lives are changed. Whatever their deepest need, Jesus meets it. And then they tell others what's happened. 
The spread of the Christian church throughout the world is a person-to-person telling of the story. Yeah, we have these mass ways of communicating the good news of Jesus Christ, but it seems to me that the best way of people to be introduced to Jesus is for individuals like ourselves who have encountered the love of God in Christ to say to others, come and see, come and see. And to be a Christian is to follow him as best you can, wherever you are. Not to, first of all, I think, come to certain theological ideas about him, not to feel that you've got to sign up to the most orthodox of Christian church, Christian faith, Christian creeds, not even to feel that you've got to be part of the one true apostolic church. It means to follow Jesus. It means to walk behind him, to go wherever he goes. The truth is simple that Jesus said, follow me. Of course it matters what you believe. Of course it matters that you take time to think about how we live our lives. Of course, the life of the church is important in the life of faith, but what comes first is the summons of Jesus and our willingness to follow. On January the 23rd, 1961, I began to follow Jesus. There's been lots of twists and turns, lots of ups and downs, lots of fears and failures along the way, and I'm still trying to follow him. When George Whitfield, the 18th century evangelist, reached the, the age of 50, which was quite an achievement in the 18th century, he wrote in his journal, he said, today is my 50th birthday. I will celebrate the Eucharist. I will begin to begin, to begin, to be a Christian. I invite you, come and see and follow him. Will you pray with me? God of grace, thank you for the revelation we have of your love in our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Help us, whatever whoever we are and wherever we are and whatever our stage of life is and whatever we're facing in the immediate and even the middle to long-term future to follow you and to know that you are by our side. Hear our prayers. We offer them in Jesus' name. Amen. Our hymn of closing, our hymn of commitment is number 497. I've decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. When the choir have retaken their place, we'll stand to sing this hymn together.
Let us pray. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're with us every day and every step of the way. You never leave us, you never forsake us. We thank you for Jesus Christ, our Redeemer and Sustainer. And through him we have abundant life and eternal life. And for your grace, your grace is always sufficient. Your love is constant. Your mercy is freely given. And may we give freely out of our love for you. We ask this prayer in the name of all your children. Amen.
Let me know. 